the book of Genesis, you have uh, God's people. You have the offspring from Adam and Eve. You have those individuals, of course, where the covenant was broken as it relates to sin, as it relates to God's people. And you know the, uh, the challenge of what happened because of the sin of, of Adam, who was primarily responsible, and, and Eve. And then you move down as God's people begin to multiply, and Joseph comes on the scene. And you have God's people that are kind of in and out they're getting the laws. They're getting the encouragement. Joseph comes along because there needs to be a deliverer that God, in other words, is giving a walking instrument for the people of God to be able to hold on to. And so Joseph comes, and because of one man's faithfulness, say that with me, because of one man's faithfulness, let's say it again, because of one man's faithfulness, millions had an opportunity for deliverance. Joseph had ample opportunity to crash and burn. His surroundings were just unbelievable. The lies that were told about him, the insurmountable odds that surrounded him, those that forgot him while he was in prison, but he was not out of the sight of Jehovah. God knew and ordained Joseph. I'd like to bring to your attention tonight, that's true for you. This moment, in whatever pew you are in, in whatever position you're in, in that pew, God has ordained this moment just for you. God is not some fickle, imaginary thing that we look at and wonder where he's at. He is alive, he is real, he's well, and guess what? His greatest concern is you. So Joseph, of course, his brothers, you know the story. Uh, he moves through that. He reveals his identity. And because of his position, when the great droughts came, God's people benefited because of one man's faithfulness, Joseph. His brothers, of course, realized that and thought, wow, we never would have believed this. That was a major miracle. But there is a place in the Scripture as you move forward that says, and Joseph, and all of Joseph's brothers and family died. They died. One thing that God promised was when he spoke to Abraham, the people of God are going to multiply. They're going to be prominent. They're going to have a land. They're going to have a covenant relationship and no matter what they do, think about this now, no matter what they do, my covenant will be fulfilled. I, I want you to know what I'm trying to suggest to you, the era of your way and the sin of your life is not going to mess up God's plan. God would say, I'd like to partner with you if you want to partner with me, but the bottom line is I'm going here and I've told you where I'm going. Now you get to choose whether you want to get on the train and let's go. And that's just the way it is. Just the way it is. So they're dead. At that time, Pharaoh comes and, of course, hates the Israelites. They're multiplying. Um, they're, they're multiplying. Uh, they're, they're just multiplying. I wanted to say like rabbits, but I don't want to say that. 
And here's what it says. And the Pharaoh and his leaders despise the Israelites because they cannot control the multiplication. And the more that they despised it, the more little Israeli Jewish babies were born. What are we going to do with that? The threat was strong. It was there. It was real. They responded like human nature responds. It is uh, not by some spiritual measure, not by a humble measure, not by, okay, I admit that we are wrong here and we like to get along. It was, we're going to annihilate you. We're going to bring you to your knees and we're going to deal appropriately with you. And that was the whole goal of Pharaoh. When that happened, God looked at the challenge of his people. He looked at the challenge of those that he loved, those that he had created, those that were the covenant carriers, and said, I will develop a plan. It was no mistake, no mistake whatsoever, that Moses was in fact born where he was born, when he was born, for the season that he was born in. I, I want you to get in your mind, lest you're on a journey tonight, and you're wondering what's going on, where is God, and you're wondering, boy, how it's dark over here. I just want you to know there is no darkness in the eyes of God. There is no confusion in the heart of God. God knows exactly what's happening at this very moment. I believe that with all of my heart. So at that time, Moses is born. You know the story. You might say it was a miracle. It was a miracle to the human eye, but it was just the daily routine of business for God. God did not need a miracle. When you are Jehovah God who spoke, into the, spoke the world into existence, you don't need an outside source. You are the source. At that moment, Moses was born. How many like serving a God like that? May I see your left hand. Isn't that wonderful? There you go. You understand that when that happened and he lived his life, you know, getting the best education, getting the best opportunities, but he in fact had placed there by God a seed that was there that you can put an Israeli in, you can put an Israeli in an Egyptian household, but he's still an Israeli. Amen? Still an Israeli. So there was that infinite seed that God placed in his heart that he had a desire for his people. You remember the story, sees a couple fighting, and how bad and sad is that? He intervenes. Uh, you say, well, boy, he was sure missing God. Really, really, really. Whatever God permits, or whatever God initiates, always will come back to the plan and fulfillment of God's will. You know the story ran off for 40 years. He comes back, he has an experience. As a laser light that lights up the bush that's not consumed, God got his attention. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Virtually, I want you to go back to the place where I created you, where you were raised, 
but you're going back as a different person to fulfill in this season my divine will. And by the way, Moses, your best days were not in the Egyptian household. And your best days has not been out wandering in the wilderness, working with your family. Your best days, fulfilling the purpose of God, is right here, right now. Today is your best day. You might say, no, it's not. It's a matter of opinion. This is the day the Lord hath given me. I will rejoice. I will be glad. I will celebrate. But you don't understand the circumstances. No, you've forgotten the mighty power of God. At that point, going to Pharaoh, it's the story. I would have been shaking in my shoes. I would have tried to delegate that to someone else. How many would have volunteered? <laughs> I would have done my best to pull rank, but hey, here it is. He goes back and God said, I want you to understand, here's how it's going to happen. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's how I'm going to intervene, and this is a covenant and a promise. You will be successful. You will be successful. And as a result of that, you know that he brought deliverance to the children of Israel. I mean, it would have been a little queasy for me to have taken them out there and they began to been a little mouthy and issuing their opinion and looking and seeing, of course, Pharaoh and coming after us into the Red Sea. That would have been a little queasy. That would have been one of those moments I would have said, God, hey, you, you made the promise. I remember the burning bush, and now I'm looking back, and Pharaoh and his boys are coming after us, and they have those, they have those chariots that's got those spikes that run out the wheel. All they have to do is run them through us and slaughter us right there. They're the warriors. That, that's his army. That's his army. And God said, do you remember that, that little dollar store rod that you got? It may not look like it came from a sophisticated store, but that represents my will and my plan, and it is the tool that you're about to use. Walk up to the sea and part the water. Now, when that happened, I would have said, I'm glad I signed up. Amen? I'm glad I signed up on that one. And we know that God gave him a miracle. So he lives his life up and down, in season, out of season. He lives his life endeavoring to do the will of God. He lives his life, and he is a testimony to the greatness and miracle power of God he reaches out, he trains young men. Joshua, we get to the text in a moment. Joshua is one of those individuals that he, that he raised and, and actually anointed him and set him apart. And Joshua, with anxiousness, was watching. You know, there had to be a time in Joshua's life that he looked at Moses and said, Oh man, you're just making a mess. Oh man, I, you, you forgot this is the tech age and you're still back on the manual typewriter. You're still using the flip phone. 
But I want you to notice something very, very carefully. In Joshua, that first chapter, and that's the text, the first chapter of Joshua, it tells the story, and I'm reading it. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, I would have put the son of anybody better than none. Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River to the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I'll give every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. And then here's the clincher. You've had a chance to observe Moses for decades as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. You will lead these people to the, to the inherit, to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. And he re-identifies, be strong and courageous. Life can become mundane. Relationships can become lethargic. Passion can ebb away. Circumstances surrounding you can become so normal that you have not seen a breakthrough in anything. You've just accepted life status as normal. I don't know that I believe that God really intended for us to live our lives in a normal way. I believe that the great creator says to us with what I have in mind to do with you, you're never going to see a normal moment in your life. Often the problem is, is we get caught up with the here and now in this life. And once we get caught up in the here and now of this life, we become, well, what are the usual things that you enjoy in this life? And those are the things that we work to be able to achieve, to accomplish the agenda of surviving, maybe not thriving in this life. Everything is running pretty good. That's the natural side. But there is a supernatural side that God demonstrated in the book of Acts and that he talks about in the church that says there's nothing normal about that. You have the ability to live a life in a shell that is a human body, but in you is the dynamic power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the spirit-filled passion of a loving God. And don't, don't lose that passion. So, so here we go. I call it getting into the place of a rut. I've said this before, but a rut is nothing more than an open grave. or That's a, a grave open on both ends. Last night I was driving around late. I decided to drive through the cemetery over here and just take a look what it looks like at dark. Sharon didn't like that too much. But I mean, after all, it is the quietest place in the city. And if it ceases to be that, I'm gone lickety-split. <laughs> Drove through the cemetery. I thought, I wonder what it's going to sound like 
when these graves burst open. I wonder what it's going to be like when I know about that one over there and I know that one and I preach that funeral and I preach that funeral. What about that one? What about that person? What, what how that family's doing? Look at the flowers on that. You said it was dark. There was enough light that you could see. And then I left there. I went in looking and said, this is dark and, and somewhat depressing because it is a cemetery. But listen to me, that will change in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That place will light up and the dead in Christ shall rise. And those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up to the Lord in the air. That's just how quick change can take place in my life and in your life. Somebody say amen. So we get in that rut, and sometimes it's because that in life we hit a plateau. We've kind of plateaued. Uh, if, you, if you look at business and you say, my business is plateaued, you better be scrambling. And that is in every area of your business, if it's plateaued, scramble, you know, find a new product, get a new idea, spend time in planning and preparation. So you say, all right, we're going to make, we've reached this. Now we're going to go and move like this. We're going to go on the plateau. It's there. It's called the place where we are stuck. And some people are stuck in a comfort zone. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you are saying, well, I'd like to get into a comfort zone, you know, pray tell sometime. You see, sometimes when we get stuck, it's because we're perplexed, we're bored, we've stabilized, we've lost passion, that's another. We, we see no excitement, we're not moved to the present. Most of you can tell me what you're going to do on Friday night right now because it's the same old Friday night every single Friday night. Well, what's wrong with that? Nothing. But change it up a little bit. Somebody say amen. We are not moved by the present, and we don't see a clear future. When you plateau, you're neither rising nor are you falling. You've shifted for the purpose of this message into neutral. And hear me when I say this. That's where David was when he peered over the balcony to take a look at Elizabeth. Oh, did I get that wrong? What was her name? It's amazing you would remember her. Isn't that sad? You don't remember the good women, you remember the bad ones. How sad is that? He took a look there. Plateauing is a place of rest for a moment, but if you camp there, you're in trouble. It becomes that rut, and you get stuck. All right? So here we go. I want to give you just four quick points in these next few minutes that we have left. One, in order to get unstuck, you have to accept, you have to accept responsibility for where you are now. You say, well, don't blame me for where I'm at. Take the blame. All right? Why should I do that? Because you are not perfect. You are not pristine, pure. You are not perfect. So you deal with it. Okay, I accept this responsibility. I'm not 100% responsible, but I may be 5% responsible. I didn't do it all right. That is the beginning of making a move to get out of 
where you are. Here it is, Joshua 1-2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelite. Joshua had a clear, clear question in this situation as we look at. He says, okay, Moses, my servant, is dead. Hey, I didn't know how much I loved Moses, but since Moses is dead, I really do love him now. And isn't that the truth? We love our family members and those closest to us more after they're dead. We even compliment them. Don't they really look good? They really look good. You never told them when they were breathing. What do I do now? What do I do now? And some of you are at that stage in the plat. What do I do now? Moses is an icon, a great man, did many miracles. God said, now, here, Moses is dead and I choose you. You see, the value of who you are, one man was responsible for the redemption of millions. I just asked myself the question and asked you to ponder this. How do you know and who do you know that you are responsible for being redeemed by the grace of God? Because God has all of us, uh, has a plan for all of us to reach someone that we don't even know about. He said, I choose you. What are you going to do? Joshua could have said, I don't want to do this. I'm just not going to do it. It doesn't pay enough. I, I I don't have insurance on this thing. What you're asking me to do is take over Moses, and these people are not the easiest people to to lead. You see, those who want to get out of the rut must assume, one, full responsibility. I, I just accept responsibility. And friend, life will hand you lemons sometime, and you make lemonade. Stephen Brown of the Fortune Group said there are two types of actions. There is performance, and there are excuses. Performance and excuses. You decide, your decision will, will reflect if you choose to take responsibility or not. And almost is not good enough. God's word, Joshua, I didn't form a committee. I didn't send a headhunter after you. I am telling you as Jehovah God, you are the man. Now, harness up to the task and take responsibility. Here it is. To decide where you want to go. Decide where you want to go. Joshua 1, verse 2, get ready to cross the Jordan River. Dr. Ari Kiv of the clinical professor of psychiatry at Cornell University said the establishment of a goal is the key to successful living. Helping people to develop personal goals has proven to be the most effective way to help some of them cope with problems. What's my goal? What's my goal? The will of God. Amen? That's my goal, to do the will of God. Proverbs 16, 9, we should make plans counting on God to direct us. Proverbs 13, 15, a man with good sense is appreciated. God had given Joshua the directions he needed, and most of us know where we need to go and know what we need to do. Often, we don't move because of pain involved. We're afraid. Here's another word. We're scared. We're scared. What if? What if? If I could encourage you in the spirit, sometimes it's important. I I meditate in the spirit. And I I had those sessions today. Tough, 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 tough day. You know, 
Heavy, heavy stuff. Tough, tough day. Heavy, heavy stuff. I said, God, I don't have an answer. I know I got to do something. Got to push a lever here. Got to push a button. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to call on you because I know I can't stay here. And I know the decision affects life after life after life. And I know what I say is listened to. And I know what I've said may be misquoted, but God, I'm going to, I'm going to need your help. And I meditate and here's, and then when you meditate, God begins to reveal to you in the spirit and says, Hey, all I, and this is what I forgot. All I ask you to do is to be obedient. Amen. That's pretty simple. I didn't ask you to tie a knot in the rope. I didn't ask you to change the color of your hair. Thank God. All I told you to do is be obedient. Amen. I can reduce that down. That's pretty simple. I'm just going to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit directs my path in doing. Somebody say amen. Number three. Divide and conquer. Say that with me. Divide and conquer. Joshua 1, 3, I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. I like this part because I have taught this, coached this many times. It will be conquered and achieved one step at a time. That which God desires for you to do to push you out of the rut, to put you out of neutral, will be one step at a time. Some of you need healing. God can miraculously heal you, but that healing will come one step at a time. One step at a time. God, I still believe. I still believe. One step at a time. I had a person tell me today, Pastor, you say God's going to take care of my family. I don't, I don't know if I... I don't believe that. I said, well, then you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. I can't take care of my family. I can't. Here's what I do know. God can. Amen? If I take one, one step at a time, when you climb out of the rut, it's one step at a time. I'm reminded of the guy who had fallen. He was in the cemetery. And he'd fallen in the grave. It was open. There's no barrier around it. He couldn't get out. No matter what he did, if he tried to climb, sin came in. And it was amazing. He was drunk when he got in there. He'd been in there two or three hours. Well, guess what? Apparently, the cemetery was in the path to the local bar. And another drunk came along and was walking down the same path and fell in. And in one fell swoop, the man who could not get out somehow got out. <laughs> you understand? He got out. The circumstances changed. A study by the psych psychological department of Virginia and Commonwealth University said human reasoning works. Okay, if we're going to do this one step at a time, let's reduce it down in our minds. They found that the human will and mind can break down large goals into small steps, and the goal can be achieved quicker with less effort. Well, let's take a look at this. We have to move that mountain. Let's reduce it down. God, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm not enjoying the celebration results yet. 
I'm in the planting results. I'm in the watering, the watering season, but I believe the harvest is going to come. What do I want to do, and where do I want to go, and how do I want to accomplish it? So I say, God, I'm hurting. I am in pain. I need healing emotionally. I need healing in my heart. I need healing in my finances, God, and I'm going to do it one step at a time. Here is the land of promise. This is what it could have been to, to Joshua. Here is the land of promise. Sit back and relax. I don't know that God's ever told me that. Sit back and relax. You see, Moses is dead. You're at bat. Lead the people to the land of promise. Do it one step at a time. Get out of the rut. That is God's will for all of us. Get off the plateau. Experience something that is brand new, and you cannot pole vault out of it. One of our students here at Victory Church, his family comes. He's a, he's a world-class pole vaulter. But the other day, pole vaulting in, comp in competition for the region, his, his pole broke. Amazing. And I mean, he was up and in and, and the gyrations of making that turn. It reminded me of me, but it was like, it was like, wow, those are days gone by. You're laughing. Here are three things that we need to remember to get out of that rut. One. Ultimately, remember this, all deliverance comes from the Lord. All of it. The Lord said to Joshua, number two, when God is ready to deliver you, no person, no group, no human circumstance cannot stand in his way. No one will stand in your way, he says. Number three, God will test you way often before he delivers you. Joshua obeyed the word of the Lord. So if you're in a very uncomfortable situation, in a situation that is so fuzzy, just remember this, that God has his hand on you. And that may be the test that comes and how you handle it is extremely important because we know that preparation always precedes promotion. Whatever plateau or rut that you and I are in, and all of us are in some season or another, we can't overcome it finally. Get on down the road. That makes sense? Get on down the road. Joshua 1, 1, 2. Now it came about after the death of Moses, servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, servant saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Get up. Where am I going? One day at a time, sweet Jesus. 
That's all I'm asking of you. Sometimes it's one moment at a time. I watched last night the speech to Congress. I heard the president refer to a Navy SEAL that died in battle a month ago. How many saw that? If you watch television at all today, you've seen it. And when he referred to her, he said, your husband's death, I'm paraphrasing, will not be in vain. He served his country. The face of that woman, every muscle in her neck, strain. She tried to hold back tears. She tried to be strong. And it was easy to be able to see what she was saying when she would look upward and she would say, I love you, baby. I love you, baby. You could read her lips. I thought, well, a month ago, a strong, proud Navy SEAL went into battle and lost his life so that I, as an American, could rise up and be proud of my country and be proud of my freedom, but most important, be proud of the God that I serve, that he's given me this privilege to be able to honor him. And I watched her in that moment, and I thought, wow, she's got a long, long way to go. But that moment was a big, big moment for her. It let her naysayers and let her enemies know my husband may have died, but he did not die for nothing. And though I am left behind, I will stand strong and declare that there is victory and realize that God will move me each and every day. It's time to move. The Lord gave me another word here. It's time to change. Move and change the wilderness, he said. The wilderness rut is history, Joshua. The hopelessness, the umbrella is folded. The loser mentality is now banished. The static is about to come to your life and create sizzle. And the promise is now ready to be embraced. Get up and go. For faith without actions is dead. The greatest and most important step to getting out of the rut is the next step. Am I afraid? Absolutely. Is it new territory? Absolutely. Is it a new beginning? Absolutely. But God said to Joshua, don't worry, I'll be with you every step that you go. Charles Kettering, Charles Kettering said, you will never stub your toe standing still. The faster you go, the more chance there is of stubbing your toe, but also the more chance you have of going somewhere. So I encourage you 
Look at your life and your heart. Charles Spurgeon said, and I quote, God is too good to be unkind, and he is too wise to be confused. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. How wonderful. Would you stand? Father, thank you today for all these wonderful people. Thank you for those that are watching right now, either live with us tonight or in the archives. You speak to the people that this message was for. God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you because nothing gets in your way. We want to be used. We don't want to be abused. We want to be used. We don't want to be slack. We want to be aggressive. We want healing, and we know that there are times for meditation, and there are times for reflection, and there are times for examination, and there are times, God, that we look and say, God, what is it in my life that you need to add to help me get moving forward again? I pray you would breathe upon every person, every individual, every family. I pray for every business, God. And however this message resonated in the lives of these present, let it resonate with, with authority, with love, understanding, and compassion. God, let that be so. In the name of Jesus, you might be here and you're not right with Jesus. And you need God to forgive you. You need to talk to him and say, Jesus, come into my heart. You need to say, God, I've blown it. I've messed up. You found yourself without and wanting. Well, let me tell you, God wants to infuse you with new spiritual life. So just in case, I'm going to ask all of you to let's repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, have I have sinned. I have made mistakes. I have, made mistakes. I have blown it. I have, blown it. I have been stubborn. Been stubborn. And, tonight, and tonight, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to, forgive me, to forgive me, to heal me, to, heal me, to, anoint, me to anoint me with a fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. I stand here I stand with my heart, open, my heart open, waiting to receive from you. I believe by faith that you have my back. I believe my faith that you are able to bring to me the blessing that's beyond my imagination. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together and let's thank God, shall we? Together. Now, so hear carefully. God spoke to you. He really did. Some of you are a surrogate prayer person for someone in deep trouble. And they're not here. Because of the faithfulness of one man, millions were redeemed. But because of the faithfulness here tonight, maybe of one of you, someone's life can be totally changed and God can speak to them right now even though they're not here so if you want to come and say I'm standing in for somebody or in your own body you need a touch or or you are about to shift gears and you're nervous about it I mean upshift listen to me God spoke to you Come down and say, God, I'm about to upshift. I'm going to be obedient to you, but if I need to downshift, 
You tell me. I'm asking you right now. As we sing this song, whatever your need is, slip down here into the altar. Would you do that?